Hello, welcome back to United Podcast. This is part two of our conversation with Johnny Evans, MBE. We're in the Evans' household and we're going to start this exactly where the last one finished. So make sure you've heard the first part first. This is a second. Here we go. So you come back to United. You make your debut. Yeah. What was that like? It was good because it was actually, I think my, my league debut for Man United was against Did you know Chelsea. much about it coming up? I think it was Rooney. Was it Rooney? Was it? As he said to me a couple of days before, he's like, you're playing at the weekend. He's like, be ready. That's kind of what he said. Do you think he was told to tell you that? No. I think he was just like knowing the team and like knowing what was going on. He was probably always asking questions. And Did you not ask him, how do you know that? I think I just kind of ignored it, thinking that he was maybe either talking rubbish or like, I was like, I'm going to be playing at the weekend. So I think it was a, I don't know if there was a few injuries at the time, but mm-hmm. I ended up starting at, at Stamford Bridge and... They got a last minute equaliser actually. Are you the type of person to get nervous before? Yeah, the probably are... there would be times where you get nervous, but I suppose maybe my nerves are different than what no, other no, people's yeah, nerves yeah, yeah. are. So it's yeah. hard to sort of say whether but yeah, you always get little butterflies. Yeah, yeah. Probably as you get older in your career, those nerves kinda you're yeah. able to control them a bit better. But as you're stepping out at Stamford Bridge for Manchester United by your team and Yeah. I probably be I don't think I probably was as nervous at when I was that young. Because no. I don't think like I ever had anything to lose. Who was your partner then? I think that day I might have played with, it might have been Wes or Rio. With Rio, like he was so, he was such so common on the pitch, and I always always found out with him that he didn't go mad at me or anything or criticise or he was always very encouraging, which always made me always yeah, yeah. feel like quite relaxed on the pitch. And I always felt like we would kind of see, not I wouldn't say we were similar, but with some similar traits in our game that. Uh, he could probably relate to in a way, and I could relate to him. And mm-hmm. but all all the centre backs in it were all fantastic players yeah. to play alongside. Any preference for that calmness? Probably Rio in a way. But I love playing when I play with Vida. Like sometimes there's some games where, like when you play with Vida, you'd just be like, he, the way he would attack the ball would just yeah. he'd do things, and you'd be like, wow, like he's just made just makes things look mm. easy for everyone else because of the way the way he defended. Yeah, is it difficult to be in? that situation in a team that's being successful and fighting for a place, does that affect your relationships with people? Because like you talked about Jao Pique earlier and obviously you two were together at a younger age and then all of a sudden there you are trying to find maybe one spot in the team. I suppose maybe like youth team level I might have, but beyond that, I never felt like that one bit. I've never felt like that in my career where I was competing against the guy and the team. And I, I suppose at Man United, I was almost probably like so buzzing to be a part of that team where they were like winning everything. So I was probably looking at it from a different role. If someone, if I had been in maybe a bit older and a younger lad was coming in, I might have felt that. But I wanted them to win. The more games that we all won together, yeah. the more chance you had of winning things. So, so was it your first full season, the first team that finished with the Premier League and the Champions League? No, I played. They played the Champions League that season, the group stages. But I went on loan. That was the second half of that season to Sunderland. So my first full season was the next one. It was 09. That would have been season end in 09. Yeah, and that was Barcelona in Rome. 2008, yeah. did you get a medal in? No. No. It's weird, that, I, was, it? I went to the game just as a, a reserve, I suppose like a reserve player, because by that stage my loan spells on the London ended. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. back. I find it really weird that you can play for, in a competition and then if that team wins the competition because you weren't involved in the final moment, you don't get anything for What was the real back then? Was it How many group games do you have to play to get a medal? I don't, I don't know. I, I think it was always, it's always just kind of been at club's, club's discretion. Yeah, but mm. obviously that's Premier League, but what's Champions League? 
Who makes that? I think when I say like I played a game, I might have played like one and a half games in the group stage, or even making it sound like you played up to the final. But in theory, you could come on in the last ten minutes of a group game, score the goal that wins that game. That means you win the group. Yeah, and then you might you might then get injured and not play again. But without that goal and that ten minutes, so if you're on the pitch, you've contributed. I don't know. To me, it seems mad that. In my head, you've won the Champions League. Okay. A lot of people I'll do think it. that you've won the Champions League, don't they? And they're right to. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I don't. What do you think? How, how do you think it should be? No, no, no. I'm the same as Johnny. For myself, yeah. I, I, I oh, never, I, I thought never, you were like you didn't I win never it. Kicked the ball in in '99, and yeah, I've got a Champions League. You might as well have mine, Johnny. At least contributed to one of them. Played a game and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange because I, you know, I think Frosty was just a squad twenty-five. Players, yeah. everyone got a medal. Do you not think that it was the whole medal? I don't know. I've always had this sort of feeling was like, what are they? Like, what are they even like? They're just. Oh, it's just to commemorate winning. But, yeah, but like, it's the club that wins it and it's all for the club. The club wins it. It's no matter where, like, I've been at obviously Sunderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man United, Leicester. Like, it goes in history for the club. They're just like little sort of badges of honour for yourself. But, yeah. It's a, I, for me, it's like more the memories. Yeah, that's winning. that's my point, though. Yeah. You get far more from football than yeah, looking at medal. medals yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's your memories, definitely. I suppose people are different because you get some forwards, don't you, that are obsessed with their goal records and their goal. That's where it becomes a bit individualized. I think. Though. Yeah, that's kind of where. What about um, like the Golden Glove? Because as a centre back, you're part of like your goalkeeper's clean sheet record, but obviously they get the accolade and you don't. Yeah, so, well, I can see it for goalkeepers, like, you have to give them a bit of something, like, they they take a bit, a bit of a hammer in the times, and it's such an important job, and I, I think Edwin was the one, that, I think I played about five games during that running, with the 11, so I was, I, but I was, I think it might have been my first or second season, but that was a big moment to be, to be involved in that, I think I played in the game where he got it, actually. We just, the, the clean sheet record. <laughs> yeah. That was insane, record. wasn't it? Yeah. It was 11 games, I think, on the bounce. So if you weren't too worried specifically about getting the medal... What was it like though when you were playing in teams where you had a title running or you were coming up to the FA Cup final or a Champions League final? I suppose for me, like winning your first Premier League title was like, if I could talk about a feeling, I would probably say relief mm-hmm. that you've got that wee bit of it. Just amongst your, like you're going into the match or going into that season, Ryan Giggs probably that time he had 10. Nine, nine, 10 yeah. Just to be a wee bit like accepted. Feel equal. Feel, not yeah. you're never going to, yeah, but just they respect me or I'm part of something that they've won. So that's how I could describe that, that first one. One of those games would have been the Makeda goal. Yeah. Where you become up close and personal with a camera. Yeah, I don't know what happened to me out there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't remember Very it? out of character. Yeah, with your face in the camera. Uh, another proud moment, Johnny, would have been receiving the number six shirt after, yeah. after Wes left. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it worked out there because I think that that game I was twenty twenty three in that match, and then when Wes left, got the number six, which was like, I think. Did you feel it. then I made it sort of thing? Or? Yeah, when you're getting like a shirt number that comes, even though like I'm not, no, 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 but when you get one really that far down, you're like, whoa, yeah, it's Man United and number six. <laughs> yeah, you kind of think that like did I have the, made did it. Did the manager tell you about that or? I think at the time it was like he was so black, he was so nonchalant, nonchalant about yeah. it. Like, I think it might have been Anne Wiley, might have said <laughs> impressive me. word. That was good, that music. You have fond memories of 23, though, too. Yeah, that was the previous number. Yeah, I do. If you could have picked your number out of any of them, which would you have picked? 
between those two. No, but, but, but any, any number. Yeah, yeah, because obviously there's <clears> number five above your head. Oh yeah. Just probably should clarify for those listening, it's because there's a Northern there's Ireland. a frame Northern Ireland shirt with a number five, five on for it. Northern Ireland. Yeah. But for Northern Ireland, my first couple of games were like number three. I wore number two. Internationals, you kind of end up wearing. But after a period of time, because Chris Bird was always number six, so I couldn't have the number six, so I ended up. That's why I got number five. But I think six kind of became relevant to me because of my six at Man United. Mm-hmm. So I'd always. I love, I love the fact that it was number six. And number five for Ireland. And number Ireland. five for Northern Ireland, yeah. So it's kind of mm. two different identities, I suppose. Yeah, because at West Brom you were six too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Talking of sixes, don't really want to dwell on this. You, own no. goals? Oh, <laughs> you didn't have six own goals, did you? <laughs> I probably do. Did you? I'm, I'm talking about the 6-1 against City at Old six Trafford. One. Yeah. And um, you get sent off. Yeah, so obviously dark day yeah. probably for, for everyone involved and I actually thought I'd been playing quite well in the game up until half time and it was quite early in the second half where I got where, where I put Balotelli down and yeah. obviously I'm walking down the tunnel I get into the I think right we're 1-0 down at the time and I get into the changing room I can hear like if Milner scores from direct from the free kick yeah. so it like sort of compounds it straight away and I'm sat in there and Rod's come in to check. I think, I don't know if Rod was already in there. He come in to check. Let me see if I was all right. And then in the changing rooms, I've got the, the TV on yeah. and I'm sitting watching it and I can see the goals going in. And I was like, oh, I don't know. What do you do? What do you even think at that, that, that moment in time? And obviously the boss came in and it was a really bad moment for mm-hmm. him in his managerial career as well. He never took anything out on me. I think as a collective, probably on the day, he felt like maybe the team that was out on the pitch with a lot of experience could have handled that better. But obviously I felt huge responsibility for that and regret. And the only thing the boss ever said to me was that when Balotelli went through, he he just said, like, I kind of had a little tug. It wasn't even probably enough to to sort of really pull someone, but he's gone down. It's a clever thing to do. And he said, next time, trust your keeper. And it's something that's always stuck with me because it's true like, how many times do you see centre forwards go through one on one with a keeper and keeper saves it or he misses yeah so I think he had, Bellatelli had done me with a little one two and I got a wee bit sort of you know you're trying to rectify yeah, a mistake yeah, yeah. and then you just had a little so that was that and I think the boss actually ended up nearly I think he played me in the next match that he could mm-hmm. he put me in, back in the team very quickly and I think that was kind of like from him a show of faith really that yeah it's not going to affect you yeah but you were actually not too bad after you didn't really did get you, affected by things. Did you dwell on things. it or did you watch it back and think, could have done that or did you just thought, well, it's just one of them? He always says it was only 1-0 when he got sent off. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the way I looked at it. That's, yeah, I think you'd say the other five, did Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I but think you, you did always, actually cope I think you, like, well. Obviously, like, the result ends up like, completely out of my yeah. control. Like, yeah. I probably looked at that situation. Like The boss gave me that little bit of advice. Yeah. And I probably analysed that in more detail. Of like, next time that happens, we're going to make sure Trust I don't. Trust yeah. yeah. Trust the keeper. More so at United, you have a lot of like up, up and down moments. Like you'd play like maybe well for a season or two. Yeah. I think those kind of moments make you stronger in the long run. I'm mm-hmm. so much better for, for them in, a, in, in every way. So yeah. Tom Cleverley was quite it. open about that, yeah. wasn't he? About yeah. how your confidence can be affected, especially as a young but there's player. No, there is, there's no football that doesn't go through that. I'm convinced yeah. like it's impossible. Yeah, but not every yeah. footballer goes through it at Man United at well, 21, yeah. 22. Yeah, there is a big, a big part uh, of it. It takes a special person to play at United and to be able to handle that. It really does. I mean, every single game, 
is under the spotlight. People don't realise that, don't. Though, do they? They don't realise. Even if, other Premier League footballers who'd never played at United yeah. don't realise, and we've talked about that quite a lot, haven't yeah. we? That United's mentality, the first team, the, the reserves, the youth team, is exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. all about winning. All about winning. Second is nothing. Like that game up in Sunderland. That just made me think about that. There was a few moments I remember being at home here watching it with our friend Rebecca. Um, it was a split screen, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you remember watching it yeah. on the split screen? Yeah, I had two, I had two setups. Yeah. And for those few minutes, you think you've won it. Yeah. I think psychologically going into that game, I'd kind of prepared myself that we hadn't won the league. It's quite a strange moment that, like, yeah. for like a split, like a minute or two. But obviously, the fans were singing or well, they were celebrating, mm-hmm. cheering every time the QPR scored. But when the final whistle went, and it was hard web, wasn't it? The referee, he said. It's 2-1, United. Literally, I think it's our whistle went. And you're like... 2-1, say. Oh, sorry, no. It was 2-1 QPR. QPR. Sorry, QPR, yeah. And within a second, he went... They've just, or no, he's, you think he's going, they've just equalised. And with, literally within a split second, it almost like... It seemed like almost like another second later, he's gone, they've, it's 3-2. And obviously the Sunderland fans were, were yeah. celebrating around the, around the stadium. But, I don't know about you, Sam, but I always think it's really funny when players talk to referees. I always say to Johnny, what were you saying to them at that time? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't yeah. remember. Can't remember. Yeah. No, yeah, just in any game. It's usually in a rage. Sometimes he's having a wee chat with the referee or the linesman, and I ex- I'm like, what did you say there? Well, normally, and then he says something that I did not expect him to say. I'm like, is that what you talked to the referee about? Like, normally having a wee it's joke like, yeah, you're either having a joke or you're at, like abusing them. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no in between. No. You're not like no. talking about the weather. <laughs> I don't know, maybe for us, like... Yeah, yeah. You see his referee as like a school teacher that mm-hmm. you just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you just sort of ignore You see them shout at them and then that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, back to your wee chat with Hardweb. No, I think everyone was kind of around yeah. him and that was kind of, that was it really. And like the boss just reminded us that day that like, obviously I had a bit of a connection with Sunderland because yeah. I had a great time there, but he felt disrespected by them and the way that they had sort of celebrated Man City and rubbed mm-hmm. it in Man United's faces. So he kind of used it as a bit of a advantage for us for the following season. From the outside, I've always found it really weird that they did that. Because if I was, if it was the other way around, how often are Sunderland ever going to see someone lift the Premier League trophy at the stadium of light? They never oh, see yes. Sunderland do it. So you think they would want United to win it just so they could see that event? Spectacle? Mm. No, I don't think no. football's fans are like that. I think it was like... If it's all a bit did, of a pantomime yeah, at that stage, it, Yeah, I think about that stage. And I think like any fan would have done the same thing. Yeah, especially when you just beating them. Um, weird to lose the league on goal difference, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we were, it was something that the boss had actually spoken about leading into the last couple of games about trying to get the goal difference back. And I think it was something he never ever wanted to happen again. He made sure yeah. that, like, we were never going to lose the league like that again. He did say that, didn't he, as well? What was the goal difference eventually? It was, it was less than 10, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe five or six goals. Yeah, I think, yeah. We, I think, a huge... I think that day we had lots of chances where yeah. I think the way the boss, where his mindset was, he's thinking we can beat Sunderland 8 0. Or 9-0. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he was thinking. And we did have quite a few chances on the day. Where, where like you sort of, And I think that always probably played on his mind. Like if we had a score there, especially in the first half. It always played on your mind though as well. Because whenever you... It was at Leicester whenever you beat Southampton 9-0. I know, that was kind of different. Yeah, but I'm saying about the goal difference. You're always thinking, right? No, I was, you that was purely... You the record or beat the yeah, record. Yeah. But you always remember Sir Alex saying to you about... Every goal matters yes. basically in a season. Yeah. yeah, it does. I can actually remember being at Sun- when I was at- when I was playing at Sunderland. My second spell there, we played Liverpool away, and I'd gone. I think it was two 0 at the time. 
And we're in, a, we're in a relegation battle and I'd gone in for a challenge on the halfway line from a goal kick. And I thought, I went, I tried to go in the midfield as a centre-back to try and head the ball. And the guys beat me, I think it might have been Torres. Mm-hmm. He's flicked it on and they've run through and scored. And now Roy Keane went absolutely ballistic at me because it was another goal that we conceded. And mm-hmm. he felt that like, come the end of the season, yeah, keep his difference between Sutherland, yeah. staying up. Mm. And I was there thinking, what? Well, they turn all day. <laughs> well, more positively, the following season we did score more goals, and Robin Vatt and Percy turned up, yeah. and obviously had a huge impact. But we won the Premier League. What was that year like? That was, I think, obviously the motivation and everything. Just kind of, I remember the boss kind of mentally setting it all out in pre-season. I think I forget where we were, but he kind of went into this sort of. He spoke about every player in detail, and he kind of just said, "We're going to win the league." He said, I believe in this squad. Mm-hmm. He kind of went through every player and spoke about them individually and their backgrounds and their family background. I'll never forget it. And it was almost like he was just said, just that ways go, go and win it. And that was like in August. And we did, we went on to win it that year. And Robin Van Persie coming in and just kind of the yeah. goals that he scored and he gave everyone a lift. I mean, he was scoring mad goals. He's, mm-hmm. I think he scored a hat trick one day. I missed a penalty. It was one of the first games of yeah, the season against Southampton. So, Everything just kind of came together. And Good year. It was. And uh, Robin Simon kind of gave everyone else, like, like a was it in that, a bit of a, bit of a, a boost, you know, and almost like he had to try and up his game. So I think that's when you sign good players like that. They're always going to yeah. do that. But it was at the end of that year but, to Alex. Yes, he left. But we must, before left. we get to the end of that, the open top bus. Oh, yeah. Getting interviewed by... Els Bells. Els Bells. Weird. I think we kind of become used to it at that point. And then when you're in a state of euphoria like that, it was just... We actually don't talk about that then. No, that we never... That was so good, wasn't know, it? Well, <laughs> we do have a photograph at the top of our stairs. It's the main photograph in the whole house. Like, the wedding that. photos yeah. are just leading up to this <laughs> photo. It must have been a good in the It's me and Johnny yeah. and Sir Alex. And do you know what? I've uh, never yeah. been... Neither of us are ever the type to ask for photos or anything like that there. But I thought, I have to get a photo in this moment. And I remember asking Tom the cameraman to take it and I felt really awkward but I'm so glad that we have yeah. it it's the three yeah, of us on the top yeah, of the yeah. bus and I remember where we were when we got it we were just coming onto the start of Dean's Gate you probably don't remember no. but that was yeah an incredible moment I, we actually should get that footage we'll just play it on loop on the TV no it, I don't think you probably <laughs> took it all in at the time oh when I you turned in Dean's Gate you did yeah it was an incredible day mm. but obviously you- people were turning out of, but would won the league but People knew it was Sir Alex Ferguson's last season, so mm. everybody was out. When did, just talking about Sir Alex leaving, when did you actually find out that he was leaving? Towards the Towards end of the, the season. Towards the end of the season. We'd won the league by that point. Yeah, it was after the Villa game. Yeah. Yeah. And we were all kind of on party mode. We, we, because yeah, we won yeah. the game and such. Yeah. I think a few players, like especially the older players, they were like really rallying everyone to get, like, let's go really enjoy this. And then obviously with the boss announcing that he was, mm-hmm. that he was leaving, it was a big shock, but also I think, you couldn't begrudge him it in any way. It was kind of mm. like, oh, just almost like a celebration then of everything that he's done and did for everyone. Did he say anything particularly to yourself or individually? I was just, how did he announce it? No, but he did. He spoke to the lads in the changing room and, and someone actually asked me this last month because it was 10 years. Was mm. it 10 years since he left? And mm. I'd kind of forgotten that, that he did have a meeting in the dressing room and it only came back to me when I read it in, in the paper that, He'd apologised to Robin Van Persie for um, signing him, signing him, yeah. and making him probably feel like he was going to be there. So I do remember that, 
and it sort of brought back that sort of that meeting that he had to tell everyone that he was leaving. But I don't really remember too many details about it. No. When you know Sir Alex is leaving, at what point do you start thinking, well, I wonder who's coming? Because at this point you have had other managers, but I suppose for such a long time, it's just been Sir Alex. It was quite an unknown period. I remember us talking about it thinking, oh my goodness, this is so weird. You'd only ever known Sir Alex at well, yeah. United. That is true. And I think everyone, that's all anyone ever knew. What was it like with David Moyes? It was probably a difficult experience for for David Moyes and probably for everyone, but it was a difficult a difficult situation, I think, to come into. For mm. any manager, it was almost like... It's impossible. Could, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. When, I, when I say about like the way the boss had primed us to win the league in August, and he'd set that on... Like, how was David Moyes? How could he come in and... Follow that. Follow that? Like, that's almost like next level, like... Because you have to, did, he, did you have to buy 11, 12 points yeah, as well? 11, 11. David Moyes would have to change his mindset from being an underdog with Everton. Yeah. So it was a, a, I think it was a very difficult task to come into. And obviously I think the, the team was getting a bit older at that stage. Mm-hmm. A year later, lots of people started leaving. And then Lou Van Howe comes in because David Moyes yeah. leaves. Obviously we know that eventually you then leave United. Before that happened, was your relationship good with Louis? Were you glad that he'd come in to replace David Moyes? Did it feel like another fresh start? Because obviously that season had sort of finished terribly. Yeah. I mean, I think when he came in, I was like, I was excited to work with him. But I didn't know too much about him. Obviously he had a great reputation, but it was in, in European clubs. He'd actually been in our box one time at Old Trafford, do you remember? Yeah, we used to share a, we used to share a box with Robin. And obviously being Dutch manager yeah. at the World Cup, he'd kind of come into the box one time. I, I don't think I'd met him though. No, no, and it was. I think it was Sir Alex was still the manager then. It was a long time before. But yeah, him sort of coming in, it was like a big culture shock for for everyone, really. Because he changed the total way he, of playing, and yeah, did, did he go back? Did he went to back three? Back three, yeah. Which had you played that before or never? Never played that much. No, always four four two I, or whatever. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah. So that's new to everybody. Yeah, it was a totally different style style of play as well. A lot more tactical emphasis on the game, and I mean, I have to say, I, I did learn a lot going through that sort mm-hmm. of transition between you know three managers. Then obviously, in, in the space of three seasons, and then when I left again, another another manager. So yeah. it was a good learning curve. When you did leave, was it a decision that you made? Was it a decision that Louis made? Could you have stayed? Was what what actually happened? I mean, I had a year left on my contract, but he called me in quite early on. It made it was it before the summer. It might have been just the start of pre-season, actually, I'm not sure, or before before we broke up. He just called me in and he said that I could leave if, if, the, right, if the right offer came, if I got the right club, and I had a year left on my deal, and I was... So you had a season and a year? Or no, I, was like, just I had one more season, season. From, the, from the point he told me, I had a year left on right. my contract, and I was kind of just, once a manager says that, it's like... Oh. Yeah, you know his plans. Yeah. You could have stayed to the end of that season? Yeah, I could have, and... and, and but I think by that point, with the way the two seasons before had gone, and I didn't say I wanted to leave, but I wasn't. I wasn't afraid of leaving. Mm-hmm. By that point, I was. I had no fear about leaving. I was almost probably on the other side of it. A little bit of excitement of like something, something, something new. Yeah. Was it a sad yeah. moment when you actually thought? Nah, I did, no, I remember sort of when I was saying goodbye. I suppose that was maybe I did feel a wee bit like. Do you know what? Actually, when I went to when I went to say bye and Giggsy. Or I shoot Giggsy's hand and kind of, I can remember getting a wee bit emotional, emotional. at that point. Because he was Louis' assistant then, was he? He, yes, was, right. yeah, he, was, he was the assistant at that point. But it wasn't like, a, I wasn't like, did wasn't Gig, crying did, over it. Or, no, did Giggsy say anything to you 
in that moment or no but I've always had a good relationship with Giggsy and yeah. the fact that like on the on the team bus like I say even though I was, I was a, a younger player like we ended up sitting on the same bus for for quite a few years yeah, together yeah, myself yeah. Michael Carrick was it there was like a little, like a little group mm-hmm. and my locker the training ground was quite close to this so I always kind of felt like I had a good relationship with Giggsy in that way and I think that sort of maybe because he'd been at the club for so long I felt like Giggsy was Man United too. Sure. To me. Yeah. The next couple of years for me at West Brom, like, I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Like, for the first two years, especially, Tony Pulis was different than anything I'll ever experience, ever had experience, ever will experience in football. And it wasn't probably until the third year, whenever, obviously, Tony ended up leaving halfway through that season. So uh, things became a bit tricky with myself and the club. But I had a great couple of years there. Mm-hmm. I've said this to Helen before. It makes sense a bit now when you talk about Darren Fletcher being there, but it never made any sense to me that you went to West Brom because of a, with no disrespect to West Brom, who great football club. You were obviously much better than that level of football and that level of aspiration in the Premier League. Whereas with this season aside, what's happened at Leicester seems so much more appropriate, like captain them to win the FA Cup and stuff. How was that sold to you? I think Leicester had kind of been in for me for a couple of windows before that. And when it came about, it was like, I was still able to live in Manchester and I commuted that journey for five years there, which I was kind of used to doing when I was at West Brom. So obviously Leicester had, had a great reputation that had these owners who were like really ambitious and back in the club. And it wasn't actually until I went to Leicester that I realised how good a club it was and how well supported they were by the owners. You probably noticed that, Helen, mm, when you went. Brilliant club. The owners kind of give the club all the backing they, they could give them to be successful, which is why they ended up with a Premier League one before I was there and then an FA Cup one. The move, actually, it was so strange how football happens because we were on holiday in Mallorca. Yeah. This is the holiday where Johnny forgot the suitcase or brought the wrong suitcase. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of bringing our children's suitcase, he brought the dirty... Anyway, we'd been to New York, Johnny and I. My mum had had the kids in Belfast. We came home that night and then we went to Mallorca the next morning with the kids. So suitcases were all sitting. We got to Mallorca... And I opened the suitcase and it was the dirty washing from New York instead of the children's suitcase. So we had nothing in Mallorca. So I had to spend the whole first day in the uh, shopping centre. People always say, you, but I'm, I'm actually quite calm in those moments, aren't I? It's the little things I get. No, I was <laughs> No, it's the little things I get. But anyway, the weirdest thing was Brendan Rogers was actually in the hotel, but we'd never met him before. Obviously, he was from Northern Ireland. Who was he managing at the time? Was it? He was Celtic manager. He was Celtic manager at the time. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah, Johnny's forgot our suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, because they had their little girl. And they're like, oh, we've got this stuff. This had nothing stuff. to do with you doing, obviously, checking the suitcase. No, 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 he literally lifted the wrong suitcase. Right, so you've nothing to do with that. That was nothing. No, I had a suitcase It's always your fault, always. Johnny, isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, Brandon was there. And that was the first time I'd met Brandon. Anyway, a couple of days later, was it Claude Puel had flown out to meet you in yeah. Mallorca? Do you remember? And I was oh, yeah. down at the pool with the kids and Johnny just pretended he was like, I don't even know what you no, said I to Brendan said, you were doing. Yeah, so John Rudkin, the director of football and, and Claude Piel, who's the manager at Leicester at the time, flew out to Mallorca to try and get me to sign for Leicester. Just they wanted to meet me. And at the time when they turned up, we were actually sitting around the pool having a chat with Brendan and his, his wife. And I kind of had to say, oh, I've got to go and I didn't tell him what it was for. because. <laughs> um, so I went up to meet Claude and John in the room and Obviously, four months later, then Brendan became yeah. Brendan then became the manager. Wow. Four months later, well, maybe it'll be about six months later. Yeah, six months later, Brendan became the manager of, of Leicester. It's crazy, isn't it? That's mental. 
obviously with the owners, obviously we had the tragedy at Leicester with, with the yeah. owner and the helicopter and everything. So it was a really, my first season there was a really emotional first season, but like I said, what a club to sort of be a part of on that sort of little spell that we had when Brendan came in and I think he take, took the, the club and the team to, to a new level and the way and the style of play and everything. And you were made captain eventually? Yes. Was, was that special? It was. I mean, I think we... Wes Morgan, who was obviously Premier League winning captain before I got there, and then Casper Schmeichel took over when, when Wes retired, and then it was myself, and it was kind of like a natural progression, I suppose, and I think at probably at that point, it was apart from Jamie Vardy, it was probably the most senior player there, so it, it kind of made sense. But being captain of, of them was was an, an amazing honour, I suppose. And the FA Cup, obviously. And winning the FA Cup, yeah. Which I always feel cheated out of, because when we went to the FA Cup, a few weeks ago when you saw seen the atmosphere whenever we when yeah. they were in the FA Cup it was just was it the first game back with fans after COVID? It actually was, yeah. It actually was. And that was the FA Cup final. And I couldn't take the kids because no under sixteens were allowed. It's wow. crazy. And whenever I went to the FA Cup final a few weeks ago I remember thinking I mean we had a great time, didn't we? It was but we weren't allowed to go on the pitch or celebrate no, no. or anything, but and obviously you'd come off in that game not long into it, but yeah, it was still a great occasion, and you definitely enjoyed that win. I would say more than I've seen you enjoy anything else. Yeah, just take it for granted, don't you? United winning things, and then you think, "Am I ever going to win anything again?" Once I've yeah. left Man United, yeah, you probably just maybe put it to the back of your mind. And I suppose, like I said earlier, but like winning it, winning trophies, mind sometimes it's a bit it can be a bit of a relief. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, winning winning the FA Cup there was almost like a. I suppose I hadn't won the FA Cup, and I never actually at the time United we ever got the final. So just that whole occasion of going FA Cup finals, it's huge, isn't it? So we put a uh, we put a request out on uh, the club's Instagram account to see if people wanted to ask you some questions. And the very first one came in from a guy called John O'Shea. Said, who threw snowballs at Jim Ryan's house? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the story do you know? N- nothing. Well, gonna find, all I've got is the question. They're going to find out probably everything. Yeah. Well, Robbie Brady. Uh, just, okay. uh, just setting that out there. But basically... <laughs> We were uh, really heavy snow. I'm at this moment in time. I'm, I think I must have been about twenty. Plenty United's United's first team, but I'm, my house is right in the centre of Hill Village. Not saying the centre, but at one end of it. And Jim Ryan lives the other end. So really heavy snow, and I get a knock on my door. And as I come out, my brother Robbie Brady and Connor Devlin was there. I think Luke McCulloch was there. Start pelting me with snowballs. So I was like, "Oh, well, that's a great idea. Let's." Uh, <laughs> Who can we do next? So we said, right, we'll do Jim Ryan and Neil Ryan, who kind of lived facing each other, really in the centre of the village. So as we're driving around, <laughs> like, I mean, really heavy snow, pull up outside Jim's house, kind of across the road. And the idea was throw a snowball. Whenever Jim comes out, checks who's there, we'll all start throwing Pelling snowballs him. at him. By the way, they had a really good relationship. This is like, like, yeah, it wasn't because we didn't like Jim. Yeah. We all loved Jim. <laughs> like Jim was That's like, why they were doing it. We absolutely loved Jim and Neil as well. So I've pulled up Robbie and Corey and that I've got out of the car and I hadn't even got the engine off and I just, Robbie's first snowball goes straight through Jim's window. <laughs> like, he's, above his front door, he's got a stained glass window and the snowball goes right through it. Like, I mean, like now there's like a blizzard blowing into his hallway. <laughs> So I'm sat in the car and I thought Robbie and Corey and everyone else decided to leg it. So they've just ran and left me. So I'm now sat outside Jim's house. <laughs> My car's still running. 
And the, the window's up, and I'm just sat in the car, kind of like facing forward, and I see Jim coming out, and I think, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't drive off, it's Jim Rand, like, can't leave him with like a broken window. So Jim's, <laughs> Jim's come over to the car, and he's like knocked on the window, and he's like, as I'm putting the window down, like, this is so awkward, so I'm putting the window down. As it gets about halfway down, Jim's like, have you seen, and like, you know when you just see the look of realisation on his face, and he just, he's like, John? I was like, all right, Jim. Calls him John. Yeah, if he calls me, calls me John. He's like, I was like, all right, Jim. He's like, what the hell's what's going on? <laughs> I was like, so I was like, sorry, Jim, that was me. That, that was us. And he's like, what do you mean us? Because I'm just sat there on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I was like, spare Jim. And then, so like, by this stage, like, there is literally like a blizzard blown into his hallway. And like, I, I ring Corey and I ring, I'm like, Corey, where are you? You need to come back. Like, we need to fix Jim's window. Like, there's snow <laughs> flying into his house. <laughs> and uh, Was there a stone in the snowball? No, it was just whatever way Robbie had packed oh, the snowball. Right. It was straight through Fine. the window. So I rang Corey, and for anyone that knows where Jim is, like, there's, there's, a, te- there's a Tesco's in, in Hales, like, what do you call it, a two-minute yeah. walk? Or there's one, they literally ran the whole way in the old. They must have just kept running. I don't know why, they just didn't stop. <laughs> so I had to go and pick them up, and I came back. We went into Tesco's, got, like, Cardboard boxes and boarded up, kind of like boarded up his window for the night. Which he was, he was brilliant about Jim. He never held any grudges, or he actually didn't tell anyone. So this is the first time that story's come out, and uh, says he's been the one to release it. It's a good question, to be fair. It is. We also got one from uh, Only Oliver, who says, "How did it feel to play against United for the first time after leaving?" That would have been at West Brom. Well, at half time, I actually did the old mistake of kept walking to the home dressing room. Karen Shotbold had to stop me. Just like it's programmed, wasn't it, India? But I think we lost that day, actually. 1-0, Jesse Lingard. I think it was 1-0. I loved it. I thought it was like kind of... I've always felt like when I played against United, I've up, up my game a little bit. Yeah. And that's like... It's hard to admit that as a football, but you do. Like You just have that sort of like... Something sort of clicks where you, you try a wee bit harder. I don't know why. Probably shouldn't be, <laughs> but you do. Well, I think that's it. So... Sitting here now from where you were as a an eight-year-old in Belfast, running around and occasionally getting on planes over to Manchester, how do you feel looking back at everything? Sometimes I look back and I, I feel really proud of, like, I've been able to do all that and achieve all those things. Like, it's like fantasy stuff almost. But I suppose when you're in it, you can't really you can't really stop and reflect on it. I don't feel like I still am in a period where I want to start. Cause I want to play a lot. I still want to play football, so... I think maybe when I'm when I'm retired, I'll be able to look on that a bit bit more fondly. And I think, obviously, Man United being such a big part of my life, help. My, my dad worked in the academy. My brother was at the club. Helen's still working at the club. So, just kind of, I still feel like I've always had that connection with the club, and I'll always have it, no no matter what. And I suppose then to be a part of such a great club and great place, it's like it's it's a, it's been an honor really, and it'll, it'll continue to be. And when you do finish and you decide it's time to hang up your boots, do you think it'll be coaching or podcasting? Definitely not podcasting. I didn't, uh, I'm knackered. <laughs> <laughs> so but, away, you're not usually this long. <laughs> um, no, I've actually enjoyed I've enjoyed it. And like I say, I think the, the podcasts that you've done over the last number of years have been amazing. And That's nice. They actually have that. been. And it's... Um, like so many people, yeah, I know, like I met with Helen, she's, she's modest and she won't say that people, but lots of people stop 
And but did actually have, sorry, no, I can't say that. You can't. But that mama came up and asked you to take a photo of me and him. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that long ago, no, it was it? It was the weirdest moment ever. He was like, oh, you're working on me TV. He said, will you take a photo? Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> Do you, he must have known who you, surely he knew who you were. Probably didn't. He must have. But yeah, going back, yeah. like you've done a great job with the podcast and thanks for having me on. I know it's been, t- it's taken a while, but I've I, actually really enjoyed it. It's worth the wait. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Cheers, pal. Cheers. So we're now back at Carrington, and that was how we finished our podcast last time around, with Johnny telling us just how strongly he feels about Manchester United. Isn't it incredible, Maisie, that this has gone full circle? Mental. Absolutely mental. I mean, it was as if, like Johnny was saying, a farewell to the club, and yet he's back. Absolutely incredible. Back with the bank. Maisie, are you glad that Johnny's back? Delighted, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. Don't elaborate. It's fine. No, I mean... <laughs> listen, I, I, I've, I've, I've said many, many times before, many times before, even when Johnny left, Johnny shouldn't have left. Um, and it's great to see him back. All right, yeah, it's his twilight years, but um, you can still see he's got that class on the pitch. Still see that. Absolutely. Know, have you enjoyed talking to your husband? Have. Probably the most you speak to each other, is it? Through the day? No, we do have quite a lot of chats. Talk all day. <laughs> we actually do. <laughs> we do film about ten times a day. This is also <laughs> the only time someone's ever stayed for the outro. You're here for that's the right. intro, yeah. outro. Part of the time, you see, yeah, you've been there it. for the whole journey, guys. Sign me up. He's trying, he's, but, hey. all, you got, all you got to do now is say, please um, like, subscribe, uh, send us an email. Goodbye, that's it, job done. That looks, tell me what to say. So you've got to say, uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe no. to the podcast. Send us an email. The address is in the show notes. Oh, he's not going to remember all that. <laughs> no. Just, just say like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. And then we'll end it. Say what I say. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review if you want five stars. I hope, the, I hope this stays in. Yeah. <laughs> it should do, because I've given all the information. He's not listening. There's been so much information. I don't know what to say. Link and subscribe. Like and subscribe or link? Like. Like. <laughs> like and subscribe. Thank you for listening. Hey. Perfect. Cheers, Johnny. See you on the next one. Brilliant. <laughs>